Hello and welcome to the Selling Podcast with me, Sam Wilkin. This time uh, I'm speaking to Andy Swinscoe of the Courtyard Dairy up in Yorkshire. Um, Andy's been a sort of long time hero of mine ever since I joined the cheese industry. Um, I was lucky enough to speak to him actually for the very first Selman podcast. We went and sat in a in a cupboard next to a mop at the at the cheese bar in Camden. I was there to uh, hear Andy speak about uh, northern cheeses. Um, it was great, delicious cheese. Andy's a fascinating guy. Um, and just really passionate, great advocate for farmhouse cheese, great supporter of new small producers. I think he's great. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to go up there and uh, I spent a day working with him in the shop, which was an eye-opener. I'd love to spend more time. Um, I also got to do a cheese insider tasting with him at the new Courtyard Dairy in their slightly bigger premises, uh, which was great. Lovely local people. He's well loved by his, his local community, and uh, it was really good to catch up with Andy in the midst of everything. So here he is, Andy Swinscoe of the Courtyard Dairy. We, uh, in terms of the way that our business was affected, I, I, I feel like from the, the feedback I got back in at the time was that people were like, "Oh, it's really bad for you," you know, and 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 then it was soon. It was almost like a week later, everybody else was kind of catching up, if that makes sense. So I feel like. At that time when they closed the, the the restaurants, our writing was well already on the wall by then. You know, we would we'd already spoken to staff, we'd already cut hours massively, and and you know, it always we'd already tried to put in planning because at that time there wasn't the followed option, so we'd already tried to put in places and plans of action to try and be able to provide our staff with some type of income if we weren't, you know, because there was no sign of any government money at that age. Um, and you know, so it was. I feel like we we got hit one of the earliest. I feel I don't know why. I think there's several reasons. One is we are um, we we had a poor January February anyways because of the, it was terrible weather up here. So we were already kind of bumbling along. And then I think that we were relying on tourism in some regards and, and a busy road. And I just think that people stopped travelling an awful lot quite early on. And as people stopped travelling, that kind of we are at the end of the day. There's many advantages to where we are, but we're not surrounded by chimney pots. We're not surrounded by lots of houses, so we don't have. Um, we rely. We rely on. We have got a lot of regular trade, but that regular trade comes to us from driving about the place. You're a destination, really, aren't you? You're not. It's not footfall necessarily. It's. No, it's. Different. You have to know that you're coming to the courtyard dairy. Yeah, exactly. And we got hit very fast. And 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 um, yeah, I, I, feel, I, 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 I do feel like we were kind of ahead of that in some regards which has had its negatives but also has had its benefits in terms of um in terms of the way that we've we've had greater time to kind of yeah, more negative at the beginning because there was no there was a bit more structure and support came quite fast for a lot of other things with, from the government but when when, when we were getting hit initially there was nothing you know it was just like what what we're we going to do and at the same time people hadn't really moved on to deliveries yet so you know we were out flyering for deliveries and things like that but it was yeah it was uh yeah, it was, so we, we we normally, 70% of our trade comes through our door, of which about 15% is the cafe and about 55% is um, the cheese shop. Um, and then 30% is sent out with wholesale to restaurants and mail order. Um, and that's split about 50, 15% each, pretty much down the line. Uh, and so we, we lost pretty much all of that 70%. We went from doing over a thousand customers a week in our shop to, I mean, at the moment, we're sticking on about 30 customers a week in our shop. 
um, which is it, 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 basically I w the shop wouldn't be open if it wasn't for the fact that I lived above it. You know, yeah. it's that simple. It's really simple to have my shop open at the moment because we have a doorbell in the door. It says when you get here, ring the doorbell, and they'll come out. <laughs> so there's not somebody having to stand in it, and basically people turn up, and ring the doorbell, and I wander around and serve them a bit of cheese. You know, so it's um, it, it, it isn't economic to have our shop open at the moment. You know, from a thousand customers a week, over a thousand on on average, down to about thirty. Is, is a massive mm. um, hit and um, yeah so that was it got hit us very early on and I think that it was a bit of a shock and a bit of a surprise but you know it, it, it was in some regards we're very um, we're very lucky that we built this business up from nothing you know we built it up and when when we opened our first shop you know eight years ago seven eight years ago I'd have been I'd have prayed for, you know, some that many customers at some stage, you know, so, you know, I, I, we've done the stage where we've had no customers. So we just kind of thought, right, well, let's just try and reduce it back to doing that and, and see if we can bumble along for a bit. Certainly an element that I'm sort of seeing in, in other businesses, that feeling of starting again. Some of, you know, certainly some business owners seem to find that quite exhilarating in a funny sort of way. It cuts through all the uh, complications and it's quite a simple task, which is to survive. Um, but you know, I suppose with somewhere like the courtyard dairy, although there's an element where you are, you know, there's a feeling that you're back to those times at the very beginning, the reputation of the courtyard dairy still exists and your reputation exists. And I guess the brand as well, if you like. So are you seeing support from further afield than, than the usual kind of, uh, you know, destination cheese seekers, if you like, you know, so I suppose I'm talking about mail order really, is that, has that taken an upturn or is that still fairly steady? Yeah, so I mean, we we, we looked at when when we got hit, we kind of looked at it and think, thought, well, what we're we going to do? We're going to have to change our business if we want to. Do we want to? A, do we want to just mothball and keep the place mothballed and just like start up again? And I didn't really want to do that because I think that we have a. Um, it's just, it, it was tough. It's a tough decision, really. That we we kind of have a decision to kind of you know support British farmhouse cheese and and we sell a reasonable amount of cheese to our shop. You know, we, we we're selling hundreds and hundreds of kilograms of cheese a week and i think that some particularly some cheese makers we are you know their only outlet there's quite a few where we take over 50 60 percent of their production and there's a couple where we take all of their production so you know i kind of think well there is a knock-on effect to that so we need to try and make it work which meant that we had two or three weeks which were very difficult because we're not really set up for mail order we're set up for retail and we did them at mail order on the side and our our efficiencies were all in retail and so we um but we thought well let's kind of have a look to see if, because we did get a lot of support from retail and we got an awful lot of support from a good lot of, you know we, we supply a lot of very very good well-renowned chefs and they give us a lot of support on online which kind of got give our mail order a boost you know getting getting those chefs to to kind of go oh well get cheese from this guy get cheese from this guy yeah and some of them good. are very very renowned and, and and i think that gave our mail order a real big boost and it was just then about, because then we spent two weeks of running around like idiots. We worked out one week, we sent out 500 orders. And then we, we did the maths at the end of it. And we were like, and we'd worked ourselves to the bone, the three of us that were left, to get 500 orders out. And we just worked and worked and worked. And then we worked it out and we we're like, we only made about 300 quid. And that's like after, after their wages, but before any wage for me and before any overheads, like the rent or the, uh, this is just not working, you know, it's because it, it did, it's, we're not set up to do it. So um we just had to kind of change quite fast you know and, and i think you know so we've kind of had to we've been spoken to um neil's dairy been very helpful you know i rang them and said look we've got a problem we don't do mail order very well um 
we do retail really well and, and a lot of our thousand customers to be fair what we've seen is a massive outpouring of support for us and for farmhouse cheese in some regards and a lot of our customers came to us and decided they wanted to buy cheese online and wanted to support us and you know and and, and it's been really nice in terms of lots of our regular customers who are on events and things like that so don't worry about it, just keep the money you know come after or you know or transfer it into a monthly cheese clubs and so we've, we've seen an awful lot in some regards it pays to be nice we've seen an awful lot of that come back if that makes sense and that's something that's coming out of it is people are becoming aware of much more aware of of i guess the idea of local um you know i think local sometimes overdefined by geography actually i think local is a small business that has an integral part in supporting a local community around it if that makes sense so you know, someone in London can support local by buying from the Courtyard Dairy. They're not necessarily buying from their cheesemaker up the road. But I think, you know, that seems to be the way things are going. So I think there is a sort of surge of goodwill towards the sort of producers that you work with. And I find that, you know, again, trying to find the positives, I find that really heartening in terms of the future. I don't know... You know, I guess the lessons that you're learning and, and the things that you're taking from this experience, are they things that will change how you operate down the line or are you still just focusing on being there down the line? Yeah, I think um, I think that we, thanks thanks mainly to, um, we spoke to like three or four big cheese, uh, people who do a lot of, a lot of like Meals of Dairy and Cheese Geek and uh, Cheese Society were very helpful and Cheese Shed. And they, they we got, you know, we compiled all their thoughts and thought how we could do it. And it's made our mail order more efficient. Um, what it's made me realize is sometimes it actually has awakened me to two things. Is one, how much I, I do love retail. You know, don't get yeah. me wrong, I love mail order, I love sending out cheese, and I love selling cheese. But for me, that that's that, that, it's, it's probably been obvious, it's always been our passion. But actually, you know, I can't wait to get that shop back open and I can't wait to do it. I'm not bothered about going in the business in mail order. It's very handy and it's really great right now and it's keeping our business alive and it's keeping farmhouse cheese, some of our farmhouse cheese makers alive as well, you know, and, and, and you know, so it's very important part of our business, but it's made me realize how important retail is and also how easy retail is if you get it right. You know, it's so much harder to, to, to take a mail order and so much more inefficient to take a mail order in terms of you've got to print an order, you've got to print a label, you've then got to take it around, you've got to cut it, you've got to cut the right size, you've then got to put it into a box, you've got to add the ice, you've got to pack it, you've got to put it, you know, you've got to go through all those steps. And um, it was interesting because when, when we looked at our mail order, and we, were, we were like, we we're struggling to do 100 parcels a day between three of us. And um, we looked at it and we're like, I can do 100 customers a day on a Saturday myself in the shop with the same average spend, easy. Mm. So you think, well, why can't three of us send out 100 parcels when just one of us can do 100 customers? That makes sense retail. Yeah. And it's because it is more inefficient, but you know, it was also because we were more inefficient in our mail order as well. Um, but yeah, so it's made us improve that side of the business, but it's made me also realize how much I can't wait to get back in retail. I always get the feeling from you that, that it's that, you know, that human interaction, that that sort of enjoyment of, of the educating and the sale and just the you know the face-to-face with your customer that, that you get in somewhere like the courtyard dairy that you clearly obviously as much as you you know you put online and descriptions of the cheese and blah 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 for the mail order you don't have that personal touch which is so valuable yeah and i think that our shop i enjoy working in my shop i think my, me and the staff might not agree with me but i think we have lots of fun you know i think it's a fun place to work you, you've been in there you've done a day with us i think it's a fun place to work 
we have a lot it of fun, is. we have a lot of laughs with the customers, you know, so it's, um, and, and, and I do miss that at the moment. Um, but I also think like, is, as you say, it's an opportunity to educate. I feel like selling cheese online is, is has, what we've seen is what's sold online is been classic. So it's really easy for us to sell three styles, if you put the word brie in the title, camembert, Lancashire, cheddar, all those are classics and they're really easy to sell online. People just buy them, Parmesan. Um, what's, what's not sold as well online is the stuff we actually sell off more in our shop, which is the esoteric cheeses, like the St. James's and the Hebden Goats and the Goats from Gouders and things that people don't go, oh, I know that, I'll buy that. You know, and, but we sell, it's really easy to sell them in the shop because we're really passionate about them. We taste them out, we talk about them, you know, and I think that it, we're missing that online a little bit and it just shows you how you can miss that a little bit as well. Well, I remember that was the thing that you really, you really hammered home when I did that. It was a long time ago now in the old shop, but did a day with you is that everybody, not even someone who walks into the shop, but if they pass your door, they're going to taste some cheese or at least have an offer to taste some cheese. And usually if you approach someone with enough enthusiasm and a small knife in hand, they're going to taste your cheese, um, you know, but, but that's a massive part of it. And that's, you know, for all the benefits of, you know, getting some really delicious bread and milk delivered directly to your door from a bakery that's never done that before, that's great. There's nothing quite like going to the place and buying it and experiencing it. And it's how we translate that online is, is something we're trying to do now. How are we trying... Uh, change our sales online to try and get more of those um, esoteric cheeses which are, you know something some I mean I'm going to use St James's example but something that is perhaps a cult classic that actually doesn't sell isn't that well known if that makes sense so it's, yeah yeah those who know it know it but actually that that's not enough at the moment you know so it's um and how we try and get that across um because you know I, I'm using him as a bad example but Martin doesn't like entering awards he doesn't like getting recognition you know he likes to know that he's on his farm and he makes a great cheese and that's enough for him mm. which is great for us throughout the year but now actually it's, it's like well how do we kind of how do we sell the story when actually you know you've got the story and you can make videos but actually what we need behind that is a bit of gravitas and something like an, a winning award is, is something that we normally doesn't make a difference but actually when people have got no pointers online things like that can help point them in the right direction no and with the best will in the world you buy st james you know one week and maybe two weeks later you buy some and it might taste quite different which is why it's become a cult classic but it takes someone like you selling it to kind of describe you know how it's behaving at this specific moment in time to you know so people know what they're getting they want to know that when they order that piece of cheese that they get what they expect to a degree i think that's probably true of most customers certainly you order online and and so yeah so those cheeses yeah those cult classics probably are a lot harder to sell because what how do you describe i mean how do you describe st james online as a i mean you have to be more reactive you have to almost change your your tasting notes online to the batch you've got in stock, which is obviously quite labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, but it's, it's, it's quite makes a difference, you know, cause you can't just go, this is what it's like, because this isn't what it's like um, <laughs> every time. So there is, there's that difficulty. Um, but there you go. The other thing it's taught me this little thing is, um, is how you can easily take your eye off retail because like our mail order and, and wholesale over the last year or two has grown. And I feel like now looking back, um, we normally have three cheesemongers on a day in the shop. So we have two who mainly deal with customers and the third one does the bits and pieces, the bits of mail order and the bits of um, wholesale. And I think that we've kind of, what this has taught me, this little experience is that that third person is 
almost in some regards trying too much to get the wholesale and mail order doing done when um, actually retail is where we make our money and retail is actually our bread and butter and retail is like the bit we enjoy. They should really be concentrating on retail because there's enough for three people and we should the, the wholesale and mail order should be done at a different time. You know, and because I sometimes feel like that third person has neglected the retail when they could be much better at it. Uh, I think that's something I've learned from this experience was that I've forgotten how key, re I mean, I, I knew how key retail was to our business, but actually I think that when you ma mail order and wholesale gets busy, sometimes you're too busy trying to do those jobs and you're like, well, actually. And you're neglecting the customer that's directly in front of you. Exactly, you know, yeah. exactly. So, and we, we had two people to concentrate on them and one person to kind of do the other bits. But actually now I feel like when we do reopen, that all those mail order and wholesale bits will be done on the morning shift before anybody arrives to kind of then when we are working during the day, we can concentrate 100% on the person who comes to the door. And not and it does make it slightly more inefficient. The reason we've done it initially is that we only did a little bit of mail order and wholesale, so actually they could fit it in around customers, which was really efficient and worked really well for us. But because that had grown, it had become taken over a bit. But actually when we look at it now, when we separate the business start, we're like, well, why have we allowed that to take over when that is not our bread and butter of our business? Mm. You know, and so that's one thing that's taught me this experience. Um, yeah, so it's you know it's it's interesting at the time, but yeah, so we decided um, two months, two weeks ago, to try and put a lot more effort into the into the mail order to try and continue supporting those cheesemakers because I think it is is important. You know, a lot of them have lost a lot of sale. It's quite a challenging time, not only for us but also for them. And I think that. Farmhouse cheese it should be supported in this period, and um, and actually the other fat other cheesemongers. I think that you know I, I've always been a big advocate on diversity within the industry. I, I don't really believe in competition. I think that my bread and butter is from this little area here, and that we not, haven't got enough people selling good cheese. And the more people we have selling good cheese, the more secure an industry we have. Different cheese shops support different we all do a slightly different range which means we all support slightly different farmhouse cheese makers and then also we all have slightly different markets some of us we've seen in this this instance here have struggled more than others you know i struggled a lot initially um i know obviously you spot near Zaldaria, they've lost a lot of their export and their wholesale but some people like cheese geek are doing really well because he does all online i think the more diversity the more people we have selling cheese the more strong it is as a whole the more producers we can support and, and that's what I would encourage people to do is go out and buy cheese from their local cheese monger, not, not just necessarily from the online ones, because I think that is what is key to a strong industry long, long term. And, and, you know, not just the sales that we get through our door. I think that actually diversity of cheese shops and cheese sellers is really key. So we're trying to promote that a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, so I think that they're trying to do a bit more mail order has been key to trying to support the cheese makers and try and continue getting that volume. And, you know, that that's, that's, that's key. I think it will set a lot of cheesemakers back, but you, you, you're going to have to adapt. Uh, but I think it's key that those have produced, I know there's probably cheese shops struggling and probably cheese shops thinking, oh, I can't be bothered. It is hard work and you're hitting your head against the wall when you can mothball. But I think you, it's really important to continue on um, because I think farmhouse cheese needs support. And I think that it needs support for lots of reasons. But I actually think that one of the main reasons it is one of the most, in my opinion, if the farms are farming correctly, it's one of the most food secure things in Britain. When we look at an industry going forward, properly made farm cheese needs very little inputs. Um, you know, if you're using traditional breeds and traditional grasses and traditional herbs, then you're not reliant on, on a, a fragmented food, um, fragmented food kind of 
importation you're not relying on loads of imports coming in to feed your animals and to fertilize your land and to grow stuff yeah you can actually produce what's there and, and you can sell it locally and i think that's that's really key in food security is the farmhouse cheese industry has been has been changing in the last five years and becoming more self-sufficient off the land and i think that's a good thing i think that's really important i think we should try and support it um and i think that's key right now um not just in terms of flavor and in terms of you know, history in terms of keeping this industry alive. But I think that's key. We should support that. Well, and that old buzzword sustainability as well, you know, the the sort of the environmental element, there's a lot, you know, more and more something I was becoming quite interested in, you know, before everything went to hell in a handcart was, you know, the sort of the impact of thing of sort of raw milk, for example, and how, you know, a farmer has to, has to farm almost in a more sustainable, environmentally friendly way. They have to they have to be much more connected to the land that they farm, much more associated with the animals that they, you know, that they kind of uh, look after. Because otherwise, they can't guarantee that the milk will be to a standard that they need to make a good quality cheese. So it's this kind of everything's tied in. And actually, by keep by having these sustainable local food systems, you're actually affecting a sort of an environmental area much larger much greater than you are just your specific piece of land um so i think that's quite an interesting way that things are going and, and i think the way people are you know looking to support local and looking to support smaller scale producers and focus a bit more on their on their back back you know their front front doorstep it, it sort of buys into that idea and i wonder if that's something that will be promoted in the after if you like. I hope so. I hope that Britain will realise that food security is an important part of that. And I think that the, the, the way that our industry has been evolving very recently, actually, I feel like within the last two or three years, it's evolved. And, and that's been led by quite a few key people. Um, um, it's been evolving to make the, the cheese taste better, mainly, I think, the reason and has a more identifiable story um, against the rise of things like veganism and, and ethical and environmental concerns, which is all legitimate things but i think that um i think that hopefully at, at the end of this that the people will realize the importance of that and the importance of being kind of self-sufficient and supporting your farm is not just important because of the it sounds good on a label but actually it's important because it's it's good for communities good for rural communities and good for the strength of strength of the food industry within britain and the strength of the economy and environment within britain um whether that's listened to it, who knows what the overriding message will be coming out of this. But for me, the key thing at the moment is to keep those going who are really doing it key in that way. I think that's really key for me. Uh, and, and to try and support them in the best possible method that we, we can, which is minimal. We make a minimal impact, but we're quite good at shouting about making a minimal impact. So we'll just try and do that, really. Um, and you know, you know, a bit. Hopefully, the business can survive, and we'll just have to, just have to, just have to weather it like everybody else. Um, but I think that a lot of people, you know, I'm sure other people have compared it to um, wartime rationing, and, and that went on for what 14 years and massively affected the cheese industry in Britain. But I feel like the cheese industry in Britain was going into the 1940s in a stronger position than it is. You know, at the time, you had over 300 farmhouse Lancashire cheesemakers. Whereas now you've just got one. So, you know, if you lose Graham as a result of this, you lose that knowledge and that expertise. Um, and that's gone, it's really hard to rebuild that. We've been trying to rebuild the farmhouse cheese industry in the last 10 years. And learning when nobody's got any knowledge is very hard, whether that be Wednesdale or Stilton or 
Leicester production, doing it from books or secondhand accounts of old ladies you've met is incredibly difficult. Whereas if you can pass it on down the chain by by being there, by making with that person, like Graham's mum did to him and you know, and her mum did to her, then fabulous. So I think, you know, if we can just try and keep those ones that are going still alive, then that's really, really key at this moment because you don't want to lose them forever, you know, and I think it would be would be devastating. But um I think as a result, everybody's got to pull the pull the belts in. You know, you got you got to think what is important to your business and what you've got to keep what 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 fundamentally you can keep going. I think it's really also key to look back on the values of your business. Like for us, what we look for in sourcing a cheese and go, well, actually, the ones that tick more of those boxes are the ones we really want to support. You know, because I think that's what that's what we're trying to get through this with is those cheese makers who farm ethically and sustainably and make really traditional cheese and and it's challenging because a lot of them have those cheeses that aren't well known, you know, going back to like St. James or how to go. In 2010, I was lucky enough to eat a, a, a hundred year old Parmesan. Mm. And, um, and it was, it was, it was absolutely disgusting. Um, it was, it was horrible, but it was perfectly good for you. And I think it was really interesting that that Parmesan was made before the second world war, before the first world war, before the Spanish flu pandemic. And, a was still being matured and being matured by this this man that we still buy our parmesan off, and B, parmesan was still being made. You know, parmesan had weathered all those crises, crises, um, and was still being made all that time later. And I think that's important as well. I think that you know the farmhouse cheese industry in Britain might might struggle, um, and then we might lose some producers. And the more we can keep going, the better. But at the end of this, there will still be cheese being made, and hopefully in a way that we would like. Um, and I think that's important to take from this. I think it's, uh, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? You know, that Parmesan had lasted 100 years and, and so can Thermos cheese in Britain. So that was Andy Swinsco there of the Courtyard Dairy uh, with some parting words that actually made me feel pretty, uh, pretty inspired. So thanks, Andy. Um, you should check out uh, the Courtyard Dairy on Instagram if you haven't already they are at the Courtyard Dairy or one word and have a look at their wonderful cheeses and the beautiful things you can buy from them thecourtyarddairy.co.uk um, yeah you will not be disappointed it's some of the best cheese you'll ever try thanks for listening cheers the Salomon podcast is produced by me Sam Wilkin if you want to know more about Salomon go to Salomon Sam on Instagram and Twitter or check out the website, selenum.co.uk.